Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. The price of green grass. We're not going to be talking about a beautiful front lawn in the middle of a drought in Southern California. But we are going to start over in Hebrews chapter 11. And and this is a chapter known as the great roll call of faith. And the writer of Hebrews just kind of lists out all these great men and women of God and some of the amazing things that they had done and paving the way for what you and I now enjoy in our spiritual life. But in chapter 11, verse 13, the writer says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they're looking for a country of their own. They'd been thinking of the country they had left. They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And one of the things that the writer here lists out, one detail, is he said, hey, these great people, these men and women of faith, they, they did incredible things. He goes, you know what they admitted? That they were aliens and strangers here. Now, let me just translate that to our society. They admitted that they were weird. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be considered weird. Uh, you know, we want to be cool. We want to be popular. You know, it's just not a compliment if somebody goes, wow, you're just really strange. You do not go, thank you. That's awesome. You know, if you dressed up for prom and, you know, people saw you at picture time and they go, wow, your, your outfit just looks really strange. That's not a compliment. But as Christians, as men and women trying to live the faithful life, we have decisions that we face every single day of who and what we're going to identify with. And God wanted you and I to know that there was this group of people that made this list of hallmark, faithful, incredible role models, examples. And God said, I want you to know they admitted that they were aliens and strangers. Now, when you make a decision that is unpopular with the majority, that's hard to do. A decision where you will lose the respect of influential people in your life, people that are role models. When you make a decision that's unpopular, it just feels funny. You feel conflicted. But these people that that know me and they love me, and yet they're not happy with this decision. And yet, if we're going to be aliens and strangers in the world... We're going to make decisions all the time that the world looks at and goes, that's just crazy. Like, who would get their seven-month and three-year-old sons up to go to a garage sale 
to make money for people you don't even know halfway around the world. Surely there's people with older children that they can, you know, let them get up early. Or people that have no children or empty nesters. Let, let them get up early. Nah, you know, as Christians, we just do weird things in the world's eyes. But that's not a bad thing. You know, I like to play tennis. I play tennis once in a while. And I remember, you know, you get in these conversations when, when you're playing tennis with some of the fellas and it's some people that you know, some people that you don't know. And you're talking about life and invariably, you know, between sets or at the end of the game, you know, you're getting to know each other a little better. Hey, are you married? Do you have any kids? And, you know, hey, what do you do? And, you know, this group of guys that I play with, you know, they're, oh, I own a contracting company. Oh, you know, I, I'm um, a producer. I'm an attorney. I'm a, you know, doctor specialist. I do this and that. And then they're like, so, Ron, what do you do? Now, in this setting, to say you're a minister, people go, oh, that's awesome, you're a minister. But in that setting, when you go, oh, I'm a minister with a church, you get interesting answers. I've had people go, wait, so, like, like do you get paid to do that? Because they don't quite know. I've had people go, so is that a real job? Yeah, it's a real job. You know, sometimes people, they don't know what to say, and they go, oh, that's, that's really cool for you. <laughs> I don't know what that means. You know, I've never told somebody, and they go, oh, I, I run a contracting company. Oh, that's really cool for you. Uh, you know, but there's that element, you know, and it's like, I want to tell them, hey, I did really good in school. I was a smart guy. I studied chemistry. It's like I want to throw stuff out there. Why? Because... Being a minister in our society is its strange. People don't know what to do with that. You know, you face situations like that all the time. Where if you're going to own your faith and you're going to be committed to it, you're going to end up in a situation where a group of people are going to think that you're weird. If you hold to the truth. You know, the Bible wants you to know, hey, you're in good company. They might even include your name next time they revise Hebrews chapter 11 because you're so awesome. You say, what, we, what would prompt us to admit that we're aliens and strangers? It says they're looking for a better country, a heavenly one. You see, our decision-making as men and women of faith is totally different from the world because what we're thinking about is what gives me the best chance to live in that heavenly city. And that's number one. And all other things are far down the list. You know what the Bible throws in? It says, if they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they'll have opportunity to return. Because you can say, yes, I'm going for that heavenly city. And then you start living life and you go... Wow, the country I came from was that's some really nice luxuries. That's some really awesome lifestyles. You know, you didn't have to go to church multiple times. In fact, you could just go a couple times a year and everybody thought I was fine. You know, nobody really got involved in your life. They didn't ask you questions like, How's your life? How's your marriage? 
you know, and that was, that was kind of good. And you know what? We can make the commitment to be an alien stranger, and then our heart can start drifting back to the country that we left. Now, the Bible says, if you start thinking of that country, oh, you'll eventually have opportunity to return. And this says, therefore God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has a city prepared for them. You know, when we make those decisions to put the heavenly city first, God says, awesome decision. Ah, the world thinks you're weird, but I don't. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to decide. We're going to be weird in somebody's eyes. We need to decide ahead of time, hey, God's opinion is the one that matters most. The price of the green grass. We're going to spend the rest of our time over in the book of Genesis looking at a couple individuals, Abraham and his nephew Lot. So, Genesis 13. Starting in verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with them. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great, they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling. Between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan. And set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So you've got this situation, and, and Abram, he's, he's the father of faith. I mean, God did so many awesome things. Early on in his life, he said, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sand and the seashore. I'm going to bless you. Life's going to be awesome. And he leaves his homeland, and he's going to Canaan's land, and there he is, and he's got his stuff, and Lot has his stuff, and they both become wealthy, and they amass all these large possessions. Now, if the story just ended right there, we'd be tempted to go, that's so awesome. See, they, you know, I mean, the Lord blessed them. Life is good. You know, a lot of times, success brings consequences that we don't think through. 
Not every promotion is a good promotion. Not every activity that we have the ability to put our children in is a good one. Not every sports team is a great choice. You know, the fact is, there's all kinds of directions that we can go. You know, Lot and Abram had so much stuff that uncle and nephew, they started having problems between them. You know what? When they didn't have as much stuff, they didn't have any arguing. You know, sometimes we think that the, the, the key to happiness is to get more stuff. And then we get more stuff and we have more problems. And so instead of resolving their situation, instead of saying, no way, let's just get rid of some of our stuff so we can still hang together. Their resolution is, ah, we don't want to have any fighting. You know, it sounds good. So let's separate. So Lot had the ability to stay with Abram, his uncle, the father of faith. But he gave that up so he could hang on to his stuff. And you know what detail the Bible wants you to know? It said there were two things. It says he picked a land that was well watered. And the only other detail is that he was right near Sodom and that the men in the city of Sodom were wicked and sinning greatly. Those are the only two details that God wanted you to know about Lot's choice. He wanted the well-watered land. And he put himself right next to men that were sinning greatly. So think about this situation. He's living with the father of faith. They're traveling about together. And then all of a sudden he gets all these material blessings. And what's the end result? Well, initially it looks all right. You know, hey, I'm getting the green grass. Uncle Abraham gave me that choice. But he left from walking daily with the father of faith to living right next door to Sodom. All because they had a lot of stuff. And I remember midweek a few months ago, Caesar and Rachel were teaching and I really appreciated one of the stories that he told. And he said, not all financial blessings are great spiritual decisions. And he'd shared a story about how they owned a home and they had the opportunity to, be, to, to buy a second home. And they could have done it and they would have gained about $100,000. Now, of course, it's always hindsight. You didn't know that at the time. But they said no to buying the second house because he said, if we would have done that, our budget would have been maxed and we would have been so stressed we couldn't have been generous we would have been afraid to be hospitable. And he goes, we had other values that became more important. And he said, so we gave up the $100,000 gain and had zero regrets. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, the world will look at that and go, that was stupid. Not when you're trying to get to the heavenly city. Yeah, you know, I respect my uh, twin brother a lot. 
He's awesome. Most of the time. He's serving in kids' kingdom. But uh, 23 years ago, Mike got baptized. And, and Cheryl found this picture of his baptism that Mike didn't even know existed. So it was kind of cool. We were looking at this photo of Mike's baptism. And 23 years ago, he was working at a great law firm. He was uh, doing chemical patents and trademarks, had his law degree, and that, that's what he was doing. But the situation where he got baptized was like, good-hearted people is kind of weak spiritually. And he decided he wanted to move to L.A. and be with the Mancinis and the Sings because he knew them from Toronto where we were and he trusted their ministry building and he said, I want to move there. So he went to the, the, he, the partners in the law firm and said, I want to relocate. And they had part of the firm in Century City. They had an office there. And they said, well, you can't because we don't have a senior partner that does chemical patents and trademarks. And Mike said, well, I'm going to move anyway. And they said, well, you have no job. And Mike says, fine, I put in my two weeks notice. A week later, they asked to meet him in the office. And they said, hey, we want to let you know that just by chance, a new partner's been hired in the Century City firm, and he does chemical patents and trademarks. And so if you still want to move out there, we'll pay for you to be relocated and you have a job. But he gave up a lucrative career to move out here with no job. Now, it turned out that it just so happened, you know, God's amazing. Worked it out, he had a job. You say, why did he do that? Well, just to be in a better spiritual situation. Yeah, the world, a.k.a. mom and dad. So that's ridiculous. You gave notice for that? That all got worked out. But see, when you're an alien, when you're a stranger, you're going to get that all the time. But you know what I respect about Mike is, is he kept that thinking, even 23 years into being a disciple. He's a director of recycling for waste management. So he oversees, I don't know, 10 or 15 big recycling facilities in Southern California. He, he does a good work for them. And one meeting, one of the bosses said, hey, um, we have a position we'd like um, for you to take. And Mike's like, where is it? And they said, Arkansas. He goes, nope. <laughs> and then they said, you don't understand how lucrative this position will be. And Mike said, you don't understand that there's not a dollar amount you could offer me that would get me to relocate from where I live. And the boss's boss said, well, that's clear. <laughs> but I respect that. I don't care if the boss's boss is disappointed. I want Mike and Robin and Brooke and Adam to do awesome things. And we got to make some alien-like and strange decisions sometimes. Why? Because not all success is good. 
You know, I think about Lot and Abraham. He said, well, why did they part company instead of just resolve issues? You know what? Sometimes you get in that conflict and you just want to keep the peace. You know, parents, we have this decision to make all the time, right? The kids want to do something. We don't think it's a good idea. And it's like, wait, what do we do? Sometimes as parents, we can just go, oh, fine. You know, I don't want to argue about it, so go ahead. You know, Lot's life at this moment in time was taking a radical change. Now, he had no idea what he was in for. And it all boiled down to one decision. You see, when, when you're an alien and stranger in the world, you make decisions that are best spiritually. All other decisions fall behind that. And you start running into problems when other priorities become number one. Lots of choice. You know, in chapter 14, records a story where basically... Um, Sodom and Gomorrah get attacked by these enemy kings and they capture all the, the people, including Lot and all his possessions and people. And I love, I love the Bible in verse 14. It says, when Abram heard his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them. He routed them. Pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. You go, now that's a good uncle. As soon as Lot got captured and Abram heard about it, he got his personal army out, 318, and they just marched all night. They attacked at night. They brought the nephew and his family and all the stuff and they brought it back. You ever been rescued? I've been rescued. You know, probably the most potentially life-threatening thing I got rescued from was a hike I was doing on Mount Whitney. And, you know, right below the switchbacks to go up to like 13,000 feet, one part of the group wasn't feeling good, so they decided they were going to turn around. And I'd forgotten that the water purifier was in their backpack. And so, you know, you get up to the summit, life was good, we come down from the summit, and we're right at that same spot, and that's your place to get more water. We're like, oh no, the water purifier's in the other backpack. We don't have any water. You know, at this point, we're still eight rough miles away from the car, and so myself and it was Ken Gidris, I was hiking that with him. And Ken and I just continued to hike dehydrated. There was no one around to borrow their purifier. So we're like, well, we can't just stay here. We might as well get back and hopefully we can steal water from people along the way. And we, we spent like the next eight miles begging water. Hey, do you have any extra water? Sorry, a water purifier got sent back with the other group. And people would look at you like, you hiked Mount Whitney and you left your water purifier. It's like, sorry, 
and he'd give us water, and we made it back. It's very humbling. It's very humbling to go to somebody and go, I don't have enough water. But you know what? Multiple hikes. I've helped rescue people from Whitney that had altitude sickness and were, you know, had to walk arm in arm down from almost the top. I mean, and but you do it, and you know what? Once you, once you've been rescued, you have the humility to to rescue somebody else because you know what it's like. And I've hiked Mount Whitney number of times since then. You know what I've never done since. Left the water purifier. You're right. You go, oh, good. Our minister's not dumb. Okay. You know what? There's situations we get into. We don't realize the consequences that are coming. We don't realize our situation. And you know, the first time that happens, you go, ah, we all can relate to that. But here's a question I have for you. How many times have you repeatedly needed rescuing because the same situation So Lot, you know, instead of hanging out with Abram and his army and walking daily with him, he's hanging out with the wicked, sinful people, no army, getting captured. And you see the decision-making there? So you go, okay, surely after Genesis chapter 14, Lot has learned his lesson. He's back with Abraham. He's walking daily, you know, in faith. He's gotten away from that bad place. Unfortunately, that's not the way the story goes. In Genesis 18, three angels come and they have a conversation with Abraham and you're going to become a dad and it's going to be awesome. And Abraham and Sarah are struggling in their faith, believing this. And then they're about ready to go. And it's kind of a cool conversation that the angels are like, hey, should we tell Abraham what's, what we're going to do now? And OK, let's let him in. And they basically say the outcry in Sodom and Gomorrah is so bad. We're going to go investigate that. And we're going to destroy that place. And Abram has this whole bargaining conversation. Wait, what if there's only 50 righteous people? Would the Lord really destroy 50 righteous along with the whole city of wicked people? And then they're like, okay, for 50 we won't. And then, you know, and he bargains them all the way down, uh, I think, to 10. And it's just like, okay, good. And then the angels go. And so we, we pick it up in chapter 19. Uh, verse 1. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got, down to meet, or got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly they did not go or they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, and both young and old, surrounded the house. They called the lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do whatever you like with them. 
But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. The man inside reached out, pulled Lot back into the house, and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old with blindness, so they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, uh, sons or daughters, or any, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great, he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters, and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had been brought out, uh, one of them said, Flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plains. Flee to the mountains, or you will be swept away. It goes on, and fire rains down, and Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. You know, the first thing... You just can't help but realize is after getting captured, getting rescued by Abraham, where do we find Lot? Right back in the city of Sodom. Only he wasn't on the outskirts of it. He was living in the city. He had to get rescued again. This time by the angels. He was even hesitant to leave. They literally had to grab his hands and drag him out. He didn't even have the moral credibility to save his sons-in-law. They were going to be part of his family, and they just thought he was joking. You know what else Lot needed to be rescued from? Worldly thinking. You know, how bad was Sodom? Pretty bad. Did Lot know it was bad? Yeah. He knew it was bad. That's why he said, man, you guys cannot stay in the square. You need to get inside. And when the men come and say, hey, bring them out. We want to have sex with them. What's Lot's answer? No, 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 not them. Here, my two daughters, they're virgins. Do whatever you want with them. You're like, what dad would offer his daughters to a mob of angry, lustful men? You know, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. I would never do anything like that. No, but we can become worldly in our thinking and compromise our life, our situation, our children's situation, 
our marriage situation. Why? Oh, it's not an angry mob of men. But it's just something I've always wanted to achieve. We start compromising of what's best spiritually. And we sacrifice our integrity and our protection of those that matter most. You know, I think about Lot, and you go, how could he get to that place? Like, do you think Lot would have let having too much stuff separate him from Abraham if he knew this was the way his thinking was going to become? I don't think so. But you know, all of us, when we distance ourselves from spiritual thinking, we can end up in places going, how in the world could I have made that decision? You see, it never just is like one big decision where it's like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to just choose this really sinful opportunity. No, it just starts with the worldly choice and then the progression goes from there. question is, do we need rescuing right now? And sometimes the more important question, do we need rescuing again? When you're an alien, when you're a stranger, getting to that heavenly city is number one. Yeah, we look at Lot's choice. And we go, Lot, was the green grass worth it? He ends up losing his wife. He lost his sons-in-law. He lost everything he owned. It's a horrible situation. Why? For the green grass. So what decisions are we facing right now? What choices are in our life? What's the progression? How's it going to play out? Say, let's go back to what Hebrews 11 talks about. Hey, let's be those aliens. Let's be those strangers in the world. Let's make good, sound, spiritual decisions. How do we do that? What's best spiritually? And then that just settles it. Everything else is secondary to that. You know, the final thing I want us to note is verse 29. Uh, of chapter 19, it says, So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot lived. And you go, isn't that an interesting way to describe what happened? God remembered Abraham and rescued Lot. You know, sometimes... We put ourselves in a horrible situation and we get out of it by the skin of our teeth. And you know why? Because somebody else was praying for you. It was nothing you did. And yet we could go, wow, whew, got out of that one. You know, sometimes as, as teenagers in high school or college students or young singles, you know what we think? 
we can work the system. And yeah, you know, I'm going to get myself into trouble, but I'll get out of it. And you go, see, I did, I, I messed up. Maybe you're here hungover this morning. And you woke up with a headache and you're just like, oh, I'll never do that again. And then the headache fades and what are you doing next week? And you think, ah, because, you know, I've done this and I get over it and it's like, you know, okay, it's fun. And then I feel guilty, but then I I move on and we're in this cycle. And we can actually think we're getting away with it. Meantime, the only reason why is there's somebody praying for you. And God's answering their prayers. Say, thank God for Abraham. You know, it's pretty amazing that, that God wanted you and I to know that. So why, why did he save Lot? You go, well, didn't he love Lot? Yeah, he did. But you know what his motivation was? Man, Abraham's awesome. He's praying for Lot. I'm going to take care of Lot. Because Abraham's awesome. You know, I really want to encourage, challenge, inspire all of us to not be afraid to make alien decisions. Not be afraid to be a stranger. Decisions that you make that require sacrifice that God will be proud of, the world's going to think you're weird. So what? There's nothing cool in the world's eyes about Christianity. But God thinks you're awesome. Some of us are facing decisions right now that are going to radically change the rest of our life. That's why Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. All these other things will be given to you as well. That's why he says in Luke 9, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for service. Why? Because if we're thinking of the country we left, we're going to have opportunity to go. At some point, the green grass was more important to Lot than staying with Abram. And he paid a heavy price. Never, ever minimize the consequences of a worldly choice. Oh, they may be delayed. But let's learn the lesson. Satan will put green grass in front of all of us. Just remember, not all success is good success. Not every opportunity is one we should take. We need to be spiritually minded men and women. And consider the costs at hand. And put the right values in place in our decision making as we move forward. God wants to bless your life. Satan wants to rob your life. You have to make the choice. Let's realize the price of the green grass. What's the consequence of the success? Say, are we in need of being rescued? And finally, hey, thank God for the Abraham in your life. You may have been rescued. Because somebody else is praying for you. Let's be grateful to God and let's make the right decisions. Let's stand as we close in one final song.